Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD. And uh, this is the show where, uh, well, it's Monday. Well, it's Monday. You know what we do on Mondays? It's Mondays with McCool. James McCool is here at paydirt underscore DFS. He's the co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you could find at theoryofdfs.com. Uh, you know what we do on Mondays. Mondays, we don't really talk about yesterday's slate. We talk about mostly strategy. We have a nice little discussion. Answer questions in the chat if you got any. I see you guys there. Daniel Hutchins, Suki Singh, Doug Montgomery, Edward Brown, Jupocalypse, Joe Macko, 58, Brendan McNeil, Frederick Dute, uh, Woo Woo J Train. Okay, that's a new one. Mike Blaze, Matt Noah, Quinn Williams. You know what to do. Hit the thumbs up button. I got my apple juice. Keep it cold throughout the show. Give me the thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. And James, uh, we, we should hit the celebratory bells for you uh, because you're, you're 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 almost done with your five hundred to the five thousand dollar challenge. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's funny. Like the last time I was on the show, and like the last time I was talking, about it, I was like, I'm not gonna have another hit until probably like June or something like that. But nope, two weeks in a row. Um, had another one. Uh, the biggest one so far uh, took down the four dollar twenty max with. 10 lineups. Um, okay, that's that's 3,000 the first? Uh, 2,000. So it was 2,000 that day. Because that oh, that, okay. Early. It was what? It was over the weekend, I guess. Yeah, well, it was the early slate. It was the three-gamer on uh, ah. on Friday, I think. Yeah, the three-gamer. No, Saturday. The three-gamer on Saturday. So it was the early slate, and it was only 2,000 the first. Only 2,000 the first. But um, got there with, uh, with a Tigers stack, which had... Harold Castro hit in that last walk-off RBI to, to have me pass first. So he was, uh, I actually had the same lineup as somebody else all the way down to Harold Castro. So him being like 2% owned and having that last RBI pushed me past first place and the person I was tied with. So that was, uh, that always feels nice. I was rooting for the Tigers, which I've been doing for about a week straight now because they're just constantly in okay spots and constantly 2% owned and like, Robbie and also two, also two thousand dollars. Also, yeah, and they're free, and they're free. Right. So, like, I can fit whatever pitchers I want. I like another discussion that I've been having in my community. They're like, "Well, how much money do you leave on the table?" I'm like, "A lot of money when I'm stacking the Tigers, because like, if I stack the Tigers and the Orioles like I did yesterday, I end up with like seven thousand dollars left on the table, and like, I don't, I don't have anywhere to spend it. I have the two most expensive pitchers, but because the Tigers are free every slate." And the Orioles are free every slate. If I end up having both, I, I, what do I do with my hands? Like I don't have anything to do with my hands. So, but yeah, it, it was uh, it was another good hit. So we're up to uh, thirty four hundred three thousand four hundred twenty eight dollars on the current bankroll. Uh, the current ROI is five hundred eighty six percent. That's not um, which is which is obviously very sustainable. Oh uh, yeah, dude. I'm gonna make 500 every single two weeks for the rest of the year. I'm gonna be a millionaire. Actually, if I make that, I'll be like the richest person in the world by the end of the year. Anyway, um, buy-in went from when I started it. My my in play each slate was sixteen dollars. That was three percent. Uh, now we're up to one hundred and three dollars. So that's massive. You know, I, like I can do twenty in the big five dollar tournament today if I want to go that route or. 
Uh, I can mix and match different tournaments. Like I can play the $4 and the mini max, or I can play like the $3, $5 and $12 single entries and all those different things. So now we're kind of at that point in the bankroll where I can either start hitting larger uh, portfolios as in like managing 20 lineups or 30 or 40, if I play the mini match or something like that, or I can start playing some of like the, the low tier single entry stuff if I want to be taking shots on single lineups. Um, but it's, we're, we're almost there. I mean, one more hit feasibly if I, if I hit in the next week, I guess would be the $5,000 challenge. I think I'm still going to have to hit twice. Um, because now that I'm playing with a hundred dollars, like that $3,400 is going to start dropping down pretty quickly. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a, a pretty good show of like, you don't have to have a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of lineups to end up doing well. You just got to build good lineups. Right. You're, you're not, you're not playing the mini max. So it's not like you're playing 150 into the mini max. You're primarily playing lesser lineups into the 20 max. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't really want to play more than 20 lineups on any given slate. Um, it's not that I wouldn't be able to like do well with 150. It's just, I don't have the time or capacity as a content creator to manage 150 lineups. So I've been building anywhere between 10 and 20. That's kind of like my sweet spot. Um, now that I am up to 20, I am using lineup HQ to build my lineups at night because like hand building 20 lineups while I'm managing lock and managing projections and stuff like that. I mean, with no NBA, it's going to be easier, but um, with, with everything I have to do up to lock, it's just easier to use lineup HQ. So I'll hopefully be doing 20 lineups through the end of this challenge. And then I'll reassess once I get there, then I guess we'll just see how much I can make through the end of the NBA season, starting 500 bucks, I guess. Right. Cause you can't just stop it at 5,000. Oh, you're done. No more MLB <laughs> DFS for you. Right. right that's it. Right. Yeah. No, that, that will not be it. I, I don't know. I, at this rate, I mean, this rate, obviously I'm not going to have a, a GPP takedown every weekend, but at this rate, I think a, a more realistic end of MLB season would be like 15, maybe 20 um we'll we'll see i think, kinda, that, I think that's that's aggressive i i think that 15 uh is probably like i don't i think 20 is too aggressive i think 15 is like the number that i have in my head as because now the bankroll is growing and i'm entering tournaments where i can make more than two thousand dollars for first place it's going to be easier for me to hit those loftier goals if i hit it's just going to be harder to hit so i think 20 is uh is probably like head in the clouds but i think 15 it's doable i mean it's doable yeah but well, i wouldn't like, consider that to be a median type of goal no 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 no, no. no i would think like, i would think like twelve thousand. Twelve thousand. you can end the season from going from 500 to twelve thousand. i i yeah i think that's doable yeah yeah I, I think well and and it depends on because i i do like to play tournaments where they have larger allocations to first place um i don't because I, I, I prefer to take first or last. I don't really care about like what's happening in those medians. Um, so if I'm playing like today, I'm playing the $5 big GPP. Obviously, if I hit that, then I have turned 500 into 100,000, which is big thumbs up. But um, it, it just depends on the tournaments that I am able to play now. Like now that I'm out of the mini max and now that I am consistently in the $4 and being able to move up. If I hit the $4 one more time, then I can start playing into the larger GPP every single day, if it is less than $18. So 
it's just, I, I think that 15 probably makes sense. I think 12, you're right, is probably about the median outcome if I continue playing um, at the, the way that I am and I don't get super lucky. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But it's been, it's been a really, really good start to the season. And, and now I have more capacity to think about it because I don't have to deal with having 100 players on an injury report like we had yesterday, which was a train wreck. Good riddance to that NBA season. <laughs> Well, for me, this uh, this uh, MLB season, I've had six top ten finishes, but highs was third. So, like, and of course, I play more lineups than you, so that kind of washes itself out. But, yeah. but all I can aim for in these large field GPPs is can I get in the top ten? I mean, becoming an eighth versus coming in second is dr- dr- dramatically different payouts. So, like, I'm I'm just happy to be treading water in in mlb like right now my mlb season i think i'm about i maybe i'm down slightly like i may i think i may maybe maybe down maybe even maybe not even a thousand bucks or something like even even cash games like i haven't shown my cash game spreadsheet in a while because pretty much my entire journey uh has been negative until recently I mean, it's just, it, I mean, it's downswings, but you get a downswing in the beginning of the season. So you look at, you look at my, my cash game play, which I, I'm, I'm essentially playing the, the bat optimal medium projected lineup mm-hmm. on multiple sites. The thing that I, that I noticed though, in baseball, cause you see here, like, you know, just like, okay, went down, went down, went down, went up, went up, went up, went up. I mean, like, like the lot, the lowest I got was like minus 6,000 out of 20,000. So that's like a, what, a 40%. Yeah. drop yeah. over that course and then came back up. So, I mean, like I always compare the, like to the stock market and like 40% is a bad drawdown. Right. But I mean, it's not as long as your time horizon is 20 years, like you're fine. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't panic or anything. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a hard, it was down, 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 down. And then like this past month period has been mostly up. So I'm down $142 on the season uh, in cash games. Uh, What I noticed though, in is that in baseball for the most part, although there's sometimes slightly different dynamics on each site is that the, the sites are more correlative to each other when it comes to the projections with the salaries and the, and uh, even, even on FanDuel with the one pitcher like Yahoo's two pitchers, but Yahoo, every once in a while, you know, they underprice, like some guy is going to be 11, Justin Turner's $11 for no reason, right? Like that, like it's just some random good player that is like $5 too cheap. And FanDuel uh, doesn't have like draft DraftKings, you get these two $2,200 guys, right? You know, they, they, they are weirdly under, I mean, they're not good players, but that it's salary savers. You get the Nomar Mazaras. You get those type of players. But at 2K on FanDuel, that that uh, salary floor is not the same as DraftKings. When the top player is 6,000, the bottom player is 2,000, it's different when the top player is 4,000 and the bottom player is 2,000. So a $2,000 player on FanDuel isn't as cheap right. as a $2,000 player on DraftKings. Uh, and depending on uh, the pricing on, on both sites, a lot of times you're, you're using the same players. Mm-hmm. 
So what ends up happening is that like I look at my DraftKings lineup and it's like, well, I'm playing uh, I'm playing three angels and two nationals. And I look at my FanDuel lineup and I'm playing three angels and two. Na- I mean, there may be two different nationals, but it's like you're you're you tend to play the same players. If if uh, Juan Soto is underpriced on all three sites, you're playing Juan, you're playing on all three sites. And if he gets a zero, like that could tank your lineup on all three sites at once. <clears throat> yeah. So that's why a lot of this, if I scroll through, it's it's me winning on all three sites or losing on all three sites. It's not as many two and ones and one and twos. That's and that's very different from your NBA season. Right. In NBA, the pricing and salary structure. Uh, between all three sites tended to be much more different. Mm-hmm. You know, that if the FanDuel build is going to be much softer than DraftKings. DraftKings build, I'm playing some 32, I'm playing Terrence Davis or something and that, but I would never, but the, for 3,800 on FanDuel, he's unnecessary. And on Yahoo, he's unnecessary. So you, you tend to play different players across all three. If you're playing up for one stud, you may be playing paying up for Luca on DraftKings, but you're paying up for Giannis on FanDuel, right? Because of the position. So the the variance, it, it smooths it out. So sometimes you'll win on DraftKings and lose on FanDuel and vice versa. And you'll go two and one. Most days you don't go three and oh, or oh and three. It's two and ones and one and twos. Mm-hmm. But in baseball, in MLB, it's more likely that I'm playing very similar lineups. I mean, based on the projections. So you see a lot of like on the... Like even just in like in May, like on the second, loss, loss. Third, this was a one and two. And, and then the night slate over here. But on the fourth, sweep. Sixth, sweep. Seventh, sweep. Eighth, bo- loss, loss. Ninth, loss, loss. Tenth, two and one. Eleventh, one and two. Twelfth, two and one. Thirteenth, one, uh, one and two. And then the fourteenth was a three and oh sweep. And yesterday was, was a two-side sweep. And especially on Sundays, Sundays, I don't play Yahoo because they just lump all 15 games or whatever. At oh, I hate one, it. Right. And I'm, I'm just not going to deal with that. So that that's why you see a lot of less Yahoo than uh, than DraftKings and FanDuel. And on DraftKings, sometimes I play the night slate or the early slate versus FanDuel, who typically breaks up their slates too small. It's like I'll play the early or late when it's like a four plus game slate, mm-hmm. but not when not FanDuel sometimes like limits it to three games. And I'm like, screw that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play that. Yeah, but I mean that, like but that's it. the main thing, but that's the main thing I noticed. It, to me, the, the this graph would be much if if the three sites was were different, would be much smoother. Mm-hmm. So I'd I'd have much more more times where I'm going two and one or one and two rather than three and oh and oh and three. And while it still may end up at the end uh, of this time period that, you know, pretty much break, breaking even at this point, that it wouldn't have been as big of a, as big of a downswing, as big of it, because it goes down and it goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down and it goes go up. Uh, and then obviously as the season goes on, the more sample size uh, the rejection model gets. I was just going to note that. I'm right. just going to note that I think that one of the reasons why early season is harder for cash games, especially using a model like Cardi's, which is very long-term, um, those those nuances and the small micro part of the sample that we get in the beginning of a new season, that first month or so, that can be really, really hard for a model like Cardi's to catch. So for cash games, I can understand why it would be a little bit more difficult following an optimal model um, 
just because that there are certain things that it just can't catch yet. Like it can't catch, uh, I don't know, Kyle Seeger or something like that. Having nine home runs, it can't catch a uh, certain guy like Byron Buxton or something like that. You know, it, it just can't catch the guys who are super hot early on, but. Um, well, well, Cardi would say, cause they're not hot. There's no such thing as a hot streak. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But that like, it's, it's hard. My, my model over at Pater is super short term. So I, I run last 45 days and I try to catch the nuances that are happening so that I can use them for GPPs because none of my models are centered towards cash games and none of them are centered towards those medians. I want to try to catch onto things fast. So my model is very different from Cardi's in that aspect where my model has absolutely just been in love with the twins. Like when the twins had Byron Buxton and Alex Kirilov, they were just like top of the model every single day. And the Mariners right now with Jared Klenick and with Kyle Seeger and with like those guys who are, are good, Mitch Hanniger, who are having good seasons, those guys are getting boosts as well. Like the Tigers over the last 30 days, while they have been trash for the full season, like Robbie Grossman has been legit good for like the last two weeks. So my model has loved him. Um, but it's uh, that's, really, that's opposed that's opposed to, to, to the bat who like for the past two weeks, it's the Nationals. Now, obviously, yeah. they paid off the other day because they they destroyed. Yeah. But if you take, but to explain the reasoning behind it is that, uh, like, look, take a look at the Nationals lineup. So you have Trey Turner, you have Soto, you have Schwarber, you have Josh Bell, Ryan Zimmerman, depending on who's starting. Starlin Castro, yeah. who's not like the worst, but they also Josh Harrison, and like typically Harrison Castro Bell are priced cheap. Yeah, hilarious. Soto is not six thousand; he's typically like fifty two hundred, mm-hmm. and Schwarber is under four K most days. Also thirty seven hundred on DraftKings. Yeah. Now, if you take a look at those names, like on the Nationals, like most 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 of the Cardi sample size doesn't have any other than Turner and Soto and Zimmerman, I guess. Like, it's still considering prior stats, Josh Bell batting third for the Pirates, right? It's still considering Kyle Schwarber on the Cubs, yeah. right? And, and these are guys that have high power, right? Mm-hmm. They have good sample, good stat cast data, I guess. It doesn't take into account that Josh Bell, like, from the left side of the plate has been just absolutely trashed this year. Uh, is he the same player? We don't know. Like Cardi would say, well, do we have the sample size to know that yet? Now, as each day goes on, that prior gets degraded more and more, but it's still pulling in data from two years ago. Yeah, We still get like Chris Davis. He's on the Rangers now. Is he the same Chris Davis as he was four years ago, three years ago? 247, dude. He's going to bat 247. That's what Chris right. Davis does. We, the, the question is not yes or no. It's whether or not we do know more or less. There's no one point where it's like, well, once he gets to this certain sample size, then we just cut everything else off. No, it it, it regresses mm-hmm. over time. And you're you're using a model that the regression is – like steep. Oh yeah. Yes. Like extremely steep. steep. While Cardi's model tends to be the longest term, Mm -hmm. like compared to most of the industry, like compared to the plate IQ projections, compared to other sites, other models, proprietary models and everything. Cardi's tends to be the longest of terms, Mm -hmm. not like 
taking in stats from six years ago or anything, but like it's not, it's Rugden Odor, right? Still has those home runs from the Rangers from two years ago, right? So when he's 2,800, right? Justin Upton, like those types of power, Hunter Renfro on the Red Sox now, he's like $2,800. And it's like, even though he's batting seventh, like his range of outcomes is going to be zero or 14, but it's still going to be, the median is going to be very high for that price because it still has, you know, his, his home runs for the Padres Mm -hmm. still being accounted for. And he's probably that's still that same player. Right. Most probably. But it, but the pricing doesn't account for it. If these guys were like average priced, if Starlin Castro was thirty eight hundred. If Josh Harrison was thirty eight hundred and not twenty nine and thirty one hundred, Josh Bell wasn't thirty four hundred and more like four thousand. Then it would be like, OK, like point per dollar wise. They're OK, but because it's taking into account a much longer sample size, mm-hmm. much longer in the past, a prior that is more, much more beefy. Like, that's why that happens. While your model, like, like pretty much outside of like not even last year, I mean, barely last year. It's just kind of like what's happening lately. And mm-hmm. uh, can I take advantage of that? But to me, James, uh, I think. Do you do you do you believe that that's that the field is doing too much of that as well, or do you think the field's doing the opposite? Like yeah, I, I get a sense that when people are like, "Oh, this this guy's good now," or "This mm-hmm. guy's bad now," like it it ends up getting reflected in ownership versus the other way. Unless unless you think that name value carries ownership, I find I find the opposite. I find that name value doesn't carry as much ownership as people think it is. They go, "Oh, well, it's it's, it's this." Well, Gary Sanchez is 2,400, like, got to play him. It's like, yeah. well, you should be playing him. I mean, but I, I, I just I just think that recency carries more ownership than, especially with pitching, right? I mean, look at Luis Castillo. Is he the same pitcher? Who knows? Everybody wants him to be. Like Everybody wants him to be. That, and I, I think that it is, there is more name recognition on pitchers. People are like, because I think that there is this understanding that pitchers are more easily projected, um, meaning that they have a smaller range of outcomes and you can like, they're a bit more predictable when it comes to what they're going to do in a game. Like you can predict that Garrett Cole is going to be between like seven and 13 strikeouts. You can predict that Jacob deGrom is going between like hilariously 11 and like 16 strikeouts because he's a God. Uh, and I think that people look at somebody like Luis Castillo, who was so good last year, and they're like, oh, he's going to turn around. He's going to turn around. He's going to turn around. And every single start, he's 40% owned, 40% owned, 40% owned, when like he has like a 5.6 Sierra. And and so people are playing this pitcher who that like they understand that he is Luis Castillo. They understand where his ceiling is. They understand what his long-term understanding is of who this player can be but they're not paying enough attention to how bad he's struggling and like, okay, he's had five starts in a row where he's just getting shelled. Maybe there's something wrong. So but I don't people didn't, but people haven't been jamming Kyle Hendricks. He put together <laughs> yesterday, yesterday. He's 10% no, no, no. People, owned. people haven't been jamming in Kyle Hendricks because he's not sexy. Right. Cause Kyle Castillo, Hendricks, you, you don't see the seal. Like Lewis Castillo, you see 
and visualize in your head, oh, he could strike out 12 guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, he could pitch nine innings and strike out four guys. Right. Like that That's a good start for him. Yeah. Like that, that's his, that's his long, you know, he, he's, he's not a strikeout pitcher. It's kind of the difference between like, if somebody was looking at a Johnny Cueto versus uh Madison Bumgarner, not this year necessarily, but like maybe last is, is year. Bumgarner back. Bumgarner your model must back. love your, you, you must be playing a lot of them today. I haven't run models yet, but I likely will be playing plenty of him because he's looked great and his fastball velocity has been up and like his control, like these kinds of things, Cardi's model very likely still Cardi's model hates him. I know, I know, and I'm sure it does. And it's just one of those things where like, if you look at the difference between Mad Bum and Johnny Cueto last year, people have always kind of considered Johnny Cueto is not like a high strikeout guy, at least as long as I've been playing DFS. He's been a guy who has a complete game upside where like there's those pitchers. There's Kyle Hendricks, Johnny Cueto. Dallas um, Keuchel, I guess. You get the yeah, there. Dallas Keuchel, guys like that where they can go long in the games. Um, and that's where their upside is, but not, not necessarily strikeouts. And then you have the complete like other side of the spectrum where you have Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray's going four innings every single game, but he's either going to have 10 strikeouts or 10 earned runs. Who knows what? So there's those two different sides of it. And I think that there is that name recognition of the sexy pitchers that have a lot of strikeout upside. Somebody like Luis Castillo, um, where people are just buying into it and hoping that he turns it around when he's only 6,500 bucks. And it's like, brah, he's dead. Like that dude is, is cooked meat right now until he turns around. I'm not going to play him. So there's name recognition, I think, on pitchers. I think there's name recognition on certain hitters. Like Mike Trout is always going to garner some sort of ownership. Yeah, but Juan he's the Soto, greatest baseball player ever. Yeah, Juan Soto is going to garner some sort of ownership. Um, Trey Turner usually garners some sort of ownership. People love Vlad, Vlad Guerrero right now. Like, How about Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge, yeah. Like you, you have these guys – there's maybe like 15 hitters, I think, in the league where like they're going to get some kind of ownership. And if they're in a good matchup, they're going to get a lot of ownership simply because that's who they are. You're like people know who they are, but I think it's less. I think it's less on hitters. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird because we have those guys. And this year, everybody wants to build home run parlay lineups. Like everybody wants to build something that's like, a three, two, one, 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 or something like that. Yeah, but to, to be fair, to be fair, the first month of this or six weeks of the season, that's There's... more likely. Like, like we have a question here. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, with Edward Brown on one of your most recent podcasts, you talked about how the prioritization of the home run might be undermining the effectiveness of stacking and GPPs. Have you been diving into that any deeper? All I could say about this is I hope. People continue. I'm. I look. I. I brought it up. I'm like. I'm. I'm watching these games, and it's like it's home run, strikeout, walk. Like, like these. Other than if you're playing core, if you're playing in cores, right? The sing the doubles and the triples and stuff like that. Like or Ridley Wrigley win games, those types of things. For the most part, you're seeing a lot of that. You're seeing like how is a five man stack going to pay off? And a lot of times, the five man stack still pays off. You just have one guy that's like unnecessary in there, but you got enough points out of four people that that you're good. Uh, I hope I hope people continue to to not stack. Oh yeah, let me let me let me put that uh, from 
from my analysis, from just seeing the, it's not about what wins. It's about what is more likely to win than the field is doing. Mm-hmm. M- more and more people, like compared to last season, I'm not counting the COVID season. I'm talking about 2019 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the amount of stacking versus not stacking. Like when I say not stacking, I'm talking about DraftKings, not at least playing, not playing a five-man stack. And even not even playing a four-man stack. There's yeah, still way too many lineups that don't even have a four-man stack in it. So it's this to me, I view it this I view it the same. So this about the field has has moved about the same. Now, there are a lot of people that have been, like you said, building home run parlay type lineups. Wait for it to get warmer. Like I think people are not gonna re- like not gonna realize that once June, July comes out and we start having we have a 12 game slate where nine out of the 12 games are in 88 degree heat and 20% to 40% humidity. Like, dude, there's gonna be tw- there's right, it's a 12 game slate and eight have absurdly good hitting conditions, and you're telling me that okay. No stack's going to get there. Yeah, good luck at good luck. One of the one one of those teams is going to put up eleven runs. Like I don't know which one it's going to be, but that's what that's what I mean by when we talk about the slate size. That when the slate sign gets bigger, it's like oh well, there's so many more opportunities for one guy to hit two home runs. So I want to piece them all together. It's like good luck doing that as, as a predictive long term basis. All I could tell you is that when there's twenty eight teams on a slate. And and it's and it's not freezing out there and wind blowing in and rain and cold and sleet and stuff when it's ninety six degrees in Arizona when when Toronto the Toronto they're they're going to be playing in Florida it could be ninety seven degrees in the little league park that they play in seventy percent humidity and seventy percent humidity you know but the, the East Coast you get Boston and New York you get the heat wave ninety two degrees over there I mean like. And you go, okay, it's not that, okay, it's a five-game slate and there's like two of these games. And okay, two of them, they could still be four to three games. Like you're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to have a slate with 14 games during the summer because they're going to play less. They're going to play more. The the schedule is going to be like on Wednesdays and Thursdays, there'll be early games. And then we'll see tons of night, 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 13, 14 game night slates. Maybe they'll have a 630 game. So we end up, it ends up getting knocked off the slate or something. But we're going to get so many of these 10 to 12 to 13 game slates where, where three quarters of the games are going to be in good hitting conditions, right? Uh, but for, regardless of the ballpark, just weather-wise. And then you're going to, you're going to try to home run hunt there. I'm, I'm going to tell you that more often than not, it's going to be one team's going to put up double-digit runs and whoever has that stack wins. So, like, at the end of the day... Like, why are you playing three, two, two, one type of lineups when, when that happened? I mean, even now, even if you, if you, if you ran Sims now, for most of these slates, the, 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 the positive ROI lineups in comparison to the field are still the stack lineups. Even yeah. though, yes, 60% of the time an unstacked lineup is going to win, it's being rostered way too much for the probability that those lineups end up being that you, they're automatically EV negative EV from the start. Yep. Right. That construction in and of itself. Now, if, if we were seeing contests where 90% of the field was stacking five bands, 
okay, now now it starts tilting the other side. It's like, okay, maybe the five-man stacks on all these teams are over-owned, right? We, a lot of times, to be honest, on FanDuel, you do see that on smaller slates where 4-4 four, four lineups actually get duped. Mm-hmm. Like on a, I'm talking about a, not a, like a two-game slate. I'm talking about a four- or five-game slate where it's like there's two obvious chalk teams and a, two obvious chalk pitchers. And it's like, if you're going to stack 4-4 four, four of both those teams and one of those pitchers, like, like yeah. dude, you're going to be duped. Like, I've seen those lineups duped. You're, and you're, already, dead. you're already dead at the beginning of the contest. Right. So I could understand at that point. That's why it's a little bit different of, of a thing on FanDuel because you could stack four at max. At least mm-hmm. on DraftKings, you could stack five or four, and then you go down to threes. I think on FanDuel, FanDuel, you're more likely to stack like four, three, one mm-hmm. than four, four. And on DraftKings, you're more likely to stack five, man. It does who cares? Five, one, 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 five, three, whatever. That like I still think it's a prop. If if you didn't think about it at all and just said an MLB DFS GPPs, no matter what size the GPP is, that I'm never gonna make anything else other than a five-man stack, you'll never be wrong. There may be four-man stack, four-three-one type lineups, four-two-two type lineups that are profitable. You may, if you're playing 100 lineups, you may want to include some of them. Maybe there, but if you if you don't want to deal with that hassle, you're just like I just want to make sure I'm building plus EV lineups on DraftKings. Like if you just always in your head, just I don't care what the slight size is or nothing, right? I'm just going to stack five man. It that 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 is the, generally the most profitable construction, mm-hmm. right? So I. I, I do I do know what you're talking about that people and and several people in the in the Roto Grinders Discord which you can get as a premium member click on the link in the description get ten dollars off your first month I've been talking about it. so should we not be stacking five man on DK it seems like five five man stacks aren't getting there and 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 they're right five man stacks have not been getting there as frequently in the large large field GPPs not necessarily in the mid size or smaller field GPPs. And and my answer is based on st- they're still under owned, and wait for wait for the summer. Mm-hmm. Is, is that is that a, is that a good way? Are you are you seeing the same thing? Like I still don't see any reason why why would I be building these three one one two like find the home run type lineups when too much of the field is still doing that and the correlative elements don't even help me. I mean, like, it, uh, like, so what am I going to do? Just look at the home run parlays and just build lineups like that. Like the chances of, I might as well just bet the parlay at that point. Right. Just take my 10 bucks. Right. Cause let, let, I mean, how many hitters do you have on DraftKings? You have eight hitters. Eight. Yeah. And let's say, and you need to roster a catcher. Right. And mm-hmm. a sec, shortstop and a second baseman. So it's not like you could go, I'm going to put a parlay in eight hitters and they all happen to be outfielders or a first baseman. Right. You go, so take your lineup, take your lineup with the catcher with the, and go and go to DK Sportsbook or whatever, see what the home run line is. Like, dude, you'd be to get, and, and if you could parlay those together, I mean, some books don't allow you, uh, parlay all those money lines together and put in your $10 bet. I, I a lot. I think that's going to be higher than higher than fifty thousand dollars, right? It will be. Yeah. It will be right if you're playing 
the three dollar four max or whatever the 20 max four dollar and three thousand a first like dude just put the four dollars on an eight eight home run parlay because that like that it, it's at minimum i mean at minimum that's gonna be a thousand to one i mean because these home run parlays even for the the most like even when it's like trout or something like that it's still like you're still getting like two to one that's yep. still like like even plus 175 plus 150 right three to two or something but now you do let's say you're not going to get let's say on average it's plus 250 plus three let's just say plus 300 because you get after because just like a dfs lineup you can't just take judge harper right take your dfs lineup so that includes a 2200 dollar you know it, inc- it includes pat balka Right, right, exactly. Something like that. And and just put all the odds together and multiply them together. Be like, why don't I just put, I why don't I just put a dollar on this? And if all these home runs happen, you know, there there you go. Here's here's your three thousand dollars. Yep. Right? So to me, it doesn't even make sense. You're playing against other people. Why would you be building these like home run parlay type lineups? Yeah, and well, it's because people think that they can so I, I have home run probabilities in my projections. I have like how many home runs a hitter is supposed to have. Um, and there was somebody yesterday who did a three, two, one, one, one. Yeah. Three, two, one, one, one. Uh, the three was Toronto. There were two New York bats. I think that it was uh, like Aaron judge and somebody else. And then Mike Topman, uh, I don't know, some random catcher and some random second baseman. But like the three Toronto, he was like, this is my best lineup. Put up like 170 or something like that. It, and like 170 is a pretty good score. But like if he just also correlates Toronto a little bit more and has Marcus Simeon instead of the random second baseman he had, like he puts up like 199 or something like that. And, and like it's a really, really good score if he would have just gone that extra step and just four man stacked instead of three man and then a home run hunted on the rest. And it's like, or, or put in Santiago Espinal, something. And, and right, well, he put it because he had a triple and a stolen, like he's the eighth hitter. And it's like, why would I play that guy at 3000? It's like, because he's correlated with the other three bats. in the right. lineup. And if you think that Toronto is going to do so well, that those three hitters are going to be like the top spots in GVP is like, if those three hitters, end up winning you a GPP, it's very, very likely that there are other players that were also involved in the rallies that made it so those players all had 20 plus points. So why are you seeding that so that you can take a home run parlay? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And like the other thing, when, when people are asking me like, Oh, well, should we be stacking or should we do, we be focusing on four or five man stacks? Like I'm up 586% in my challenge and all I do is stack. And and this is the early season. Like we're not even into the middle of summer where stacking is going to be more potent because teams are going to be routinely putting up 12, 13, 14 runs every single slate. So it's like people want to look for those home run parlays. And I think some of it is kind of hubris. Honestly, I, I think that some people like want to look at their lineup and be like, oh man, I, I found this like secret sauce where like, I know that this guy's going to do well. This guy's going to do well. Like it worked last late. I'm going to keep doing it. And they chase that one time where it worked. And I think there's a little bit of hubris in saying that somebody is better at predicting the future than everybody else. And it's hard to predict the future, man. Just like put yourself in position for teams to do well. And 
instead of trying to home run hunt, try to just have exposure to the best teams. And that's going to be much better for you long-term than being a home run hunter. And if you do want a home run hunt, do exactly what Jordan said, go to DK Sportsbook, put together a home run parlay, put $5 on it, and then go stack something in DFS instead. Like that way you can have the best of both worlds. They're both on your phone. That in fact, you can go from DraftKings, you can literally click on the sportsbook on your DraftKings app and go there, place your parlay, and then click on the DraftKings app and then go build your stack. And like, dude, you're happy, right? Like everybody's happy then. And if you get a home run hunt, I understand doing that with the one-offs. Yeah. Like I understand, like if you're gonna play like a that's why, why do you think I constantly say about like, what catcher do you play? Well, whoever's in your stack. Because most of the time there aren't catchers. There's only a very few catchers that are worth it by themselves. Yep. Right? So like, uh, well, Drew Butera sucks. It's like, but he's 2,200. If the Angels are going to do well, just throw him in. Martin Maldonado, Austin Hedges, or like whoever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter where they bat. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anything. Just they're cheap. Right. And they and now they allow you. So you're in, you're now playing Martin Maldonado in your Astros stack instead of Yuli Guriel. And now you have enough money. So you, instead of playing a twenty six hundred dollar light hitting outfielder as a one off, you're playing Bryce Harper. Right. Because now because you, you, you didn't pay up, you didn't pay forty eight hundred dollars for a catcher. Right. You take a look. You take a look at your uh, your Dodgers stack and you go. Do I want to play Will Smith in my Dodgers stack at 4,700? Or do I want to uh, make sure to get a better one-off in the outfield and maybe play, uh, you know, uh, a Narvaez and you, then you make a three-man, like Narvaez with like Kane and Avisel Garcia. And you do, okay, now you could do something like that. Like, especially at these very weak positions, catcher, second base. Shortstop is, is well, I mean, Tatis is out. Seager's now out. So that's going to get a little bit weaker yeah. uh, in, in, hey, in the short term. Francisco Lindor, three no, for well. like 60 this year. He's, he must be horrible in your model if you're doing just recently for the past 45 is, days. He's so bad in my model. He's <laughs> so bad. Uh, but yeah, shortstop's going to look ugly here pretty soon. Right. Daniel Hutchins is in, is in, the, is in, the, chat, is in the chat. That's uh, He's sharing that his, his simulations, like about 85% five and four man stacks on on DK because he's talking if you're if you're in the chat you could see because uh, he 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 plays a ton of lineups yeah and uh it's just about yeah it's just a matter of diversification in your because people asked before like I saw one question before about well if I play 20 max like how many stack how many different stacks like all that is a diversification question not just build good lineups like it's kind of weird to say like it it, it sounds too simple like when I said well just build plus EV lineups it's like well well, what one should I, I, I have 20. What, what should I build? Should I build four of this and four of that? And, or should I build eight of this and eight of that? And like, dude, all you're doing is, is changing how many, how much swings you're going to have. So do you want diversification or not? I mean, other than that, if you play, I'm going to play 150 lineups tonight on, on the super knuckleball on DraftKings. Super knuckleball. Super knuckleball, knuckleball, whatever. It's, uh, whatever. it's a $5 entry fee. So I'm like, okay, I'll play 150 especially eight game slate. All people are going to ask me, who am I playing tonight? You know what the answer is? Everyone, <laughs> right? I mean, at, at everyone, it's an eight game slate. So, uh, but that's the problem, but that's the point. It's like, I play more lineups that 
I find to be higher expected value, but it doesn't mean that's all the lineups that I play. So maybe tonight, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm making this up. So I don't know. Cause I didn't look maybe Seattle against uh, Casey Mize is under owned, right? I, I deem under owned, right? I look through and I go, but they're, they're showing up a lot more, right? Now I could play 75 Seattle Mariners stacks. I could, if I believe that that's the highest EV stack and then try to get as many combinations of that as possible. But of course, if I'm wrong, all those lineups are dead. So it's like, and all those lineups towards go towards the top and then all the lineups go towards the bottom. So I play a $750 worth of entries. And let, I can play all of them, literally all 150 Seattle Mariners stacks. If they're the team, that, if they're the winning stack, I'm going to be they're making a money, lot of dude. money. Yeah, I have 150 yeah. shots at first place, pretty much. Take first through fifteenth. But if they're if they're not, that means my seven hundred fifty dollars turns into like almost zero, right? Those swings are going to be dramatic. So, do I want to invest all of all of my lineups into a Seattle Mariners stack? You could, right? You, if you wanted to, they're all plus EV lineups. You, you can. But to realize that EV, you're going to realize that like in all the lineups at the same time. So that doesn't make it bad. It just makes it high variance. High variance doesn't equal bad. It just means swing. People think high variance is, oh, I don't want that. That's not, that's not the right thing to do. There's no right. There's no correct. You have, you have lineups. You could have 2,000 lineups that have the same exact expected value, but the standard deviation of those lineups could be dramatically different. Right. There are some if you're going to play chalk today, a chalk stack, you're going to get a lot more equity in the min cash range. than you will at first place, but it still may be a a very similarly EV lineup to a contrarian stack that gets most of its equity from first place or last place. So like it comes out, if we played the slate out 20,000 times at the end, those two lineups end up making the same amount of money in the long run. It just depends on like what happens today. Mm-hmm. So the all these questions about like how many of this and how many of that, but you you could make whatever whatever diversification you 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 want. Me and 150 lineups, I tend to be much more diversified. Now I do eliminate at, at some point I, I I still want to have as many shots at first as possible with what my strategic direction is. So I will play vastly more of certain stacks versus others. And I will X out pitchers and go, well, I'm already playing 20 stacks against this pitcher. Do I, do I want to even play, have this pitcher in my player pool? No. And if it turns out the reverse happens, the pitcher does well and the stacks don't, then I guess I lose that. I can't win first place, but at least I have some shots, right? When, oh, you can't play the chalk stack. It's like, who says you can't play the chalk stack? Just make sure you make contrarian lineups with it. So Whoever the highest owned stack of the day, it's very likely that I'm going, I'm, I'm not going to have many lineups with that stack, but I'm, it's not going to be zero. It's just going to be not as many of those lineups. I'm going to take advantage of the more that a field starts playing this one team, all these other teams start getting under owned. So I want more of these types of lineups. So it's, it's all these questions are not about like what's correct. It just matters on like when you you play James, you play 10 lineups, 12 lineups. I assume you're not just taking one team and you're, you're not even taking one team and go, I'm building 12 stacks of this one team. And 
You're just YOLO, right? Not if I can help it. No, uh, the on a three game slate, like the three game slate that I just had this recent hit, I had 100% Red Sox sacks, but it wasn't because I wanted to. It was because the way that I was building, it, the only shortstops that I had to pick from were Xander Bogarts and and Drelton Simmons, and like at that point, since I'm only only building stacks, I got 100% Red Sox stacks because I had 100% Xander Bogarts. But like on a regular slate, I, I want to have exposure to anywhere between four and seven teams at like, that's my sweet spot with, but with 20 lineups, I think that I can still diversify enough with four to seven teams. And usually it's on the lower end of that. Usually it's four or five teams from my models that have the best chance of scoring eight or more runs on a GPP. Um, but if I have like 150 lineups, there's a very good chance that I would have anywhere between like five and 10 teams maybe depending on if I was hedging depending on if I wanted to have exposure to uh certain chalk spots as well as super low owned spots but uh, even though I am very condensed in the players that I use and the stacks that I choose I'm not going to just choose one stack 99% of the time because it it, I, I don't want if I'm building multiple lineups like if I just wanted exposure to one team why wouldn't I just build one lineup why? Why wouldn't I just instead? Well, of you entering... want a different rotation of one-offs. You'd be like, "Well, this is the this is my Blue Jays with Judge. This is my Blue Jays with Harper. This is my Blue Jays with Soto." Sure. Right? Sure. You could do that. Yeah, you could do that, but I wouldn't want to. I mean, you like can't. The... I mean, there's no reason that you can't. If you like, give one. If you have one team and you're like, "Nope, I'm putting it all in on the Astros today." Sure. You want to make all the combinations of the Astros, and then all the, oh, I want to pair these two pitchers and. Rotate the pitchers. You can do that. You can. You yeah. can. It's just high variance. It's just and I, and I wouldn't. And you're talking to a super high variance accepting person. And even right. I wouldn't do that. So like there's a certain level of you have to be able to have multiple different shots, and you do have to have some sort of fallback or fail safe if you're playing multiple lineups. For me, the reason why I build 10 lineups, the reason why I build 15 lineups is so that I can have exposure to other stacks. It's not so that I can take one stack and have 15 different combinations of it because I would rather just play the 121 single entry or like the $50 single entry or something like that. If I was in this bankroll challenge, I wouldn't want to be having 15 combinations of one team um, unless it was a, a circumstance like it happened with the Red Sox the other day where the only way that I could be building good positive expected value lineups from my projections and like having a high expected outcome was to have that one team. So I, I would prefer to just spread it out between like four and seven teams. And even that is very, very condensed for a lot of people. So it, it is all personal preference. Some people like to have a whole lot of different stacks. Like you, you will have exposure to probably 20 teams today. I would guess. No, no, it's an eight game slate. I can't have 20 teams. It's an eight game slate. You'll probably I, the max have exposure is 16. To 12 teams then probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably, yeah, probably I'll have slate. Yeah, probably so, 12, probably. I, but I but some of those teams I may only have like like two or three lineups of, and then some teams I may have thirty seven lineups. But you'll have them, right? But I'll, but yep. Yeah, if some weird team goes off, it's like I may have three lineups of them. I may, yep, yep. right? I may. So uh, that's personal preference based on the goals that you have and the way that you like to play. Re- really, it's about risk and risk being risk averse or accepting of the risk that is happening in your lineups, and that's why you diversify more or less. Right. Uh, GR Saucedo 12, the reason players build home run hunting lineups is because it's a challenge to pick the right game to stack. 
So I guess it's easier for them to home run hunt in a lineup than to build a plus EV stack. I promise you. It's the opposite. Yeah. It's significantly easier to just choose teams to stack than it is to try to hunt for parlays. Do people really think that? Because this is the first time anyone's like, oh, it's a challenge to pick. What I got today, tonight, there's 16 choices. There's I, more, okay. And you could probably so, throw out some of them. I mean, like, like, dude, like, am I going to play the Rockies against Darvish? Probably not. Am I, how about the, how about the, the Arizona against Bueller, the Rangers against Cole? I mean, you could like of, of a team, because remember when you stack them, you want them to score tons of runs. So I'm not saying that they can't put up runs against these pitchers, but most likely they don't get blown up. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that like there is this kind of false sense of security of having different players from different teams so that one team can't sink your whole lineup. Yeah, I but think that's that what that's you're aiming for thinking. in GPP. I, I and I and you're, you but you're supposed that. to be increasing the variance of your life. I just think that people get scared that like if they stack, I don't know, the Blue Jays or something like that, that they'll have less of a chance of the Blue Jays putting up 10 runs than they do of like picking four different players that have home runs and obviously that's wrong like obviously right, but that gives them yeah you're right it gives them more min cash equity yeah exactly it doesn't give them first place right it's like oh worst case scenario then the yankees don't hit this team hits and i get enough points that i at least turn my four dollars into six dollars like that's stupid i don't care but about do people think dollars. but the way that that was phrased it's like the people think it's easy to go pick out home runs than it is to pick out a team and i go no, it's, it's infinitely, it's so much easier to pick out teams. You make one decision. You make one decision, right. I'm looking at today's slate. I'm like, who's the highest team total? The Yankees. Go stack them. I mean, like, have fun. I mean, like, take a look at their lineup. I go, okay, well, well, then who do I play in my stack? Whoever the hell you want. Stan, Judge, or, I mean, let you go. You go Stan, Judge, Urshela, Voigt, and play Higgs. If he's in the catcher spot, you're done, Right. There you go. Take take two. You probably can't pay up for two pitchers, right? Then you're gonna play. You can play something. You probably you play Cole in that lineup because it's correlated with the Yankees. Why not? You play Kikuchi against the the Tigers or something, and then you just uh, whatever. You have three spots left. Now go find three people that have a better shot at hitting a home run. Right. Well, and the other problem right now is that you just described what the chalk lineup is going to be. It's going to be well, Cole, Kikuchi with the Yankees, and then people are going to look for home runs. Now, the big problem is when you do this, and this is the other part of this that's a problem. Now you have 50% on Cole, 40% on Kikuchi, 30% on Yankees players. And then because you have the same base lineup as 30% of the field, you're going to be drawn to the same home run. Right, you're going to be playing Jared Kelenic at 3K in that Exactly. Lineup. You're going to play the same lineup with the same one-offs. And it's like a perfect example yesterday in my community, what, a guy who's really working on trying to be better about like making the decisions that he does when he stacks. He stacked the Yankees and the Blue Jays yesterday with the chalk pitcher, and it was like, 50, 40, 50, 50, 40, 50, 40. And he did have, he did have a 1% on player, which is fine. But like, dude, over the course of a thousand tries on that lineup, you're finishing dead middle of that GPP, dead middle of 50% because you have all 50% on players. Like you're not passing the field with anything. So that Cole Kikuchi Yankees with three players is going to be owned by 30% of the field and your average outcome is going to be 1.5x your money, and you're very unlikely to take down a tournament with it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, on today's slate, there'll be a little bit more disparity at the pitcher because we also got Darvish and Bueller. Oh, dude, but I don't I mean, know about st- that. Right, but still, people are going to go. Yankees against Jordan Lyles. Yeah, that's that sounds like uh, that sounds like the truck spot today. And, and Cole, dude, like Cole is going to be fifty five percent owned, even though Darvish is on the slate. We saw it earlier in the year. Well, but currently the bat the bat actually has Darvish with a higher raw point projection than Cole. That's pretty sexy. I like that. Well, he's like Rockies. I mean, look at the Rockies lineup now. Yeah, but look at the rain, dude. People hate the Rangers. Yeah, but I think the Rangers are a better hitting team than the Rockies. I agree with you, but people don't think that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, James, uh, someone asked before, uh, if people could sign. Could, I mean, I would prefer them, obviously, to also sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Look on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. Someone was asking about how do, you, how do they get access to your model? Hey, so uh, you can find all of my stuff over at paydirtdfs.com. Um, I have all of my models under one price. So $30 a month for MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, LOL, CSGO, COD, anything that I offer NFL, like when we get to that season. So you can go there and you can sign up. Um, really, really happy with the way the models have been. And I actually do suggest that you also use the link for Roto Grinders because I use lineup HQ when I need to build multiple lineups that I can't hand build. So like having both together, I think that the combination of using the bat and using my projections, that long-term, short-term sandwich, that's that's pretty. You know, that's going to be a tasty sandwich. So I think signing up for both those things. But you can find all my models at paydirtdfs.com, and you can follow me on paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter. And then you could also get Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can see all the chapters here. Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology, miscellaneous, everything. You get everything here. Most people in the chat even, they already have this. I don't know. Why am I saying it? I don't know. Go to theoryofdfs.com and uh, all all these concepts are in there. They're they're, they're not like revolutionary or anything, but uh, appreciate all the people in chat. Uh, Now some people are arguing with each other, whatever, whatever's... That's fine. That's fine. We just talk about stuff. If they want to talk amongst themselves, that's fine. Uh, but uh, you can follow James at paydirt underscore DFS, paydirtdfs.com, theoryofdfs.com. How many plugs can we put in at the end of the show? Uh, I'm at BlenderHD uh, on Twitter, and uh, and I'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about this eight-game slate. We got big – now that NBA regular season is over, now they're, they've upped these, these baseball, these MLB contests – so we got we got a we got a five dollar we got like two, Vandal has a five dollar like super duper and a, and the DraftKings has a five dollar super duper and it's an eight game slate eighty thousand entries you're gonna need pretty much the nuts to 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 win this uh, I'm gonna try to make it so well uh, we'll we'll talk about it and review it tomorrow because I'm here as usual every weekday eleven o'clock Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.